You're listening to the sermon podcast from Meadowbrook Church in Cheyenne, Wyoming, with Pastor Keith Miller. I don't know if you remember, but the ISIS, also known as the Islamic State, said to have been founded by, you know, in 2004, rose to prominence over, I mean, just conquered or took about 40% of of Iraq, uh, a large part of Syria, and uh, one of the goals of ISIS was to establish uh, um, Islam, uh, Islamic law, and and so any Christian that they knew of, for example, in Iraq, was spray painted on their house the Arabic letter for for N, the Arabic N. Uh, to identify that group or that family as belonging to the Nazarene. And so anybody who had that on their home, they were, they were given an ultimatum to do one of three things. Uh, convert to Islam, uh, move out, or die by the sword. And so many Christians fled. Uh, most most people, a large percentage of people, were unwilling to, to confess that Allah is God and Muhammad is his prophet. And some stayed and died. Uh, they were either beheaded, shot, or even crucified. Some of them were crucified. And so, uh, because they belonged to the Nazarene. Out of that came uh, kind of a movement, a global movement, to, to wear the letter N, uh, to identify with our brothers and sisters in Christ who were suffering at that time. Now, y- you may be wondering, well, well, couldn't they just have said, okay, we'll confess that Allah is God and Muhammad is prophet and, and do that and not really mean it? Like, it's crazy. Like, I, w- I would imagine that maybe some of their neighbors, some of their family members, if you just say the words... You don't even have to mean them. If you just say the words, then, then you'll escape death. It's crazy that you're unwilling to do that. And so uh, I want to talk about crazy today. I'm going to ask three questions about, about the resurrection. I'll ask two of them about the resurrection, and I'll ask a final question um, directed at each and every one of us. The Apostle Paul said this, and the words will be on the screen. He said this in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. He said, Now if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain, and your faith is in vain, and Christ has not been raised, your faith, and if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. If Christ if in Christ we have hope, in this life only, we of all people are most to be pitied. Now the reason why so many Christians in Iraq and in Syria were re- refused, refused to, to cater to the terms of ISIS, with the exception of maybe moving out, was because they really believed that Jesus rose from the grave. And so I'm going to ask, the first question I'm going to ask is this, is what is the craziest thing that Jesus did? What's the craziest thing that Jesus did? Jesus died on a cross. Every historian acknowledges that Jesus died on the cross. He died on the cross. 
Uh, he, he, there was a Roman soldier that was there who, to, to make sure that he was dead, took a spear and he thrust it through Jesus' body, the side, his side, and into his heart, probably also penetrating his lung, to, to affirm that he had died. His body was wrapped and then buried in a tomb where a great stone was rolled in front of the entrance to seal the tomb shut. That happened. The religious leaders were, were paranoid. They thought because of some things that Jesus said, Jesus said multiple times throughout his life, he said, I will die, I will be handed over, I will die, and on the third day I will rise from the grave. So the religious leaders who hated Jesus, they, they wanted to make sure that there were guards outside the tomb who would, be, who would make sure that the tomb was not robbed and, uh, and to, 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 to develop whatever conspiracy that uh, theory that, that, that threatened them. On the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and two of her friends visited the tomb and found it open. I said this in the first service, I'll say it again. Somebody said to me once that uh, the, the Bible is a male chauvinist book. And my response to that person is clearly you have not read the Bible. Because if you are creating a story, if you were just fabricating a story, if you're just inventing this story, that Jesus rose from the grave, in first century Palestine, you would not have as your first witnesses women. In fact, when the women went back and they said, hey, the tomb is empty, guess who didn't believe them? The disciples. <laughs> right? So, so on the first day of the week, which was Sunday, Mary Magdalene and two of her friends visited the tomb and found it not only open but empty. And because people just don't rise from the grave, there have been several, there have been a handful of conspiracy theories that have been thrown out there. And, and the empty tomb proves all of them wrong. Jesus' body could not have been stolen because there were guards standing watch to make sure it wouldn't happen. It was punishable by death to let somebody come and steal that body. That's why the guards were afraid. Uh, Jesus was not unconscious. That was one theory. He was unconscious. The, the, the beating, the flogging was so severe, the crucifixion was so severe that nobody survived, that he went unconscious. They thought he was dead, put him in a tomb, and it was so damp in the tomb that it revived him, and he just walked out. That didn't happen. He walked out, but it wasn't because he was unconscious. Jesus didn't have a twin brother. That was another theory. Well, he must have had a twin brother. So the one brother died, and the other brother pretended to be his brother that died, thus Jesus uh, pretending that he rose from the grave. Uh, some thought, well, surely, I mean, there were multiple people who said that they saw Jesus rise from the grave. It was because of their overwhelming grief that they, they, they were hallucinating. Well, too many people witnessed the resurrection for him to have been just a vision. Scores of people witnessed his resurrection. It's even documented um, by uh, Josephus, who was an early church historian, who was not a believer, talked about that. Every single one of the disciples would not have been willing to die for a lie. Every single one of them, with the exception of John, died horrific, violent deaths. John suffered, the Apostle John suffered greatly. Uh, There's a story of him, uh, one story is that he uh, either his legs or, or a large portion of his body was boiled in oil to keep him from traveling from town to town. Why, why would you do that for a story that you made up? 
The resurrection of Jesus affirms everything he did and claimed to be. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, it says this, the Bible says, If Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you're still in your sins, then those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. C.S. Lewis said this. He said, A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things that Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on the level of a man who says that he is a poached egg, or he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this was and is the Son of God, or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool, or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God, but let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us. The craziest thing that Jesus ever did, he rose from the grave. But, I mean, think about it. Those of us who believe in Jesus believe that he was born of a virgin. He lived, and you, those of you who call Meadowbrook your church home, you hear me say this often. He lived a perfect life, a life we can never live. He died on a Roman cross. He was executed. And on the third day, he rose from the grave. The world hears that, and they say, that is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. And the Bible even acknowledges it. It says it's foolish. The cross is foolish to those who, who are perishing. And, and so it is the craziest thing Jesus ever did. But the tomb is empty. He, he walked out of the tomb. He rose on the third day. Which leads me to the second question. What was the craziest thing Jesus ever said? What was the craziest thing Jesus said? He said a lot of crazy things. Like, after he fed thousands of people miraculously with some kid's lunch box, <laughs> right? He, uh, he said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. After a woman who was caught in adultery was dragged from her bed into the middle of the streets to be stoned to death by an angry mob, which begs the question, where's the guy? He was just as guilty, but they drug the woman out. That's why you wouldn't have women as your, your witnesses. <laughs> the way that first century Palestine looked down upon women is, women is staggering. This woman was dragged out into the street, and Jesus said, let him without sin among you be the first to throw a stone. And then he said, after that, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. That's crazy. That's crazy he would say that. <laughs> After the religious leaders got angry at Jesus for healing some guy who was born blind, like they called the guy into, in, you know, in, and they said, hey, you, were you really blind? And the guy said, yeah, I was born blind. Everybody knows I was born blind. I asked my mom and dad. They, I was born blind. And all I know is Jesus healed me. And the religious leaders were angry that, one, the guy was healed, and two, that he was healed on their holy day, the Sabbath. And they kicked the guy out. They said, you're no longer welcome to worship here. Jesus said after hearing that, he said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And uh, another crazy thing Jesus said came, on, came just before he raised his friend from the grave. There was a guy by the name of Lazarus who died he was four days in the tomb, four days in the grave, and Jesus came to the funeral or the memorial service. Everybody was crying, and they were, they were, they were weeping. And, 
And just before he raised Lazarus from the grave, he said, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. That's pretty crazy to say something like that. But I don't think any of those were the craziest things, things that Jesus ever said. The craziest thing I think Jesus said was, was the statement that he made, the answer that he gave to a guy by the name of Caiaphas, a high priest who wanted to find some way to get Jesus you know, murdered, or at least get him to be quiet forever. Caiaphas, a high priest, very religious guy, asked Jesus, tell us, are you the Christ? Are you the one you know, that was promised you know, to us? Are you him? And Jesus, Jesus said to him, he said, I, you have said so, but I tell you from now on you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power and coming on the clouds of heaven. That's the craziest thing, in my opinion, that Jesus ever said. Well, why is it crazy? Because, because he was saying, I am the guy that the prophet Daniel, hundreds and hundreds of years ago, prophesied about in Daniel chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. I'm him. I am the Son of Man that's going to come on the clouds of heaven or on the clouds, uh, in the clouds of the sky. I'm that guy. Daniel chapter 7, verse 13. I, uh, JB read it for you. I, I want to read it again. He says, I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man, and he came to the Ancient of Days, that's God, uh, and was presented before him, and to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all people's nations and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. Now, if you want to find out more about the, the book of Daniel that's in the Old Testament, I'm preaching through that uh, on, on Sundays. You just come back on, on Sunday and you can find out more about it. But let me just help you understand why I think this is the craziest thing that Jesus said. Uh, in Daniel chapter 7, just, just before verse 13, in those first like eight verses, we're told that there are, there are some kingdoms that would come. So here, here's what we're told. Daniel had this dream, and he sees these crazy things in his dream. He sees these great beasts, these creatures. The first great beast came out of the sea, and it represented Babylon, the empire, the Babylonian empire. The second beast was a bear. It's kind of lumpy. It represented two empires that came together, the Mede and Persian Empire. Um, the third great beast was like a leopard with four wings that represented the Greek Empire. What's crazy about that is that Daniel was written long before Greece was an empire, before Alexander the Great. And then the fourth great beast that Daniel saw, he described as terrifying and dreadful, which represented the Roman Empire. And then the dream continued. It didn't stop there. There were other empires or, or kingdoms that seemed to come in, come in their wake. And this individual who, who we learn is the, is, is the Antichrist, he hasn't come yet. The Bible tells us, and this is not a sermon about Antichrist, okay, but I just want you to understand the context. The Bible tells us there will be people who will come who will do everything they can in their power to just kill or to wipe from planet Earth any memory of the church. They're antichrists, antichrists. There is one who's coming that will make all of them look like nice guys. <laughs> right? I, 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 the one who's coming who isn't here yet, we're, the way I describe him uh, from what we learn about him is that he will make Hitler look like Mr. Rogers. Okay? 
So Daniel has this vision. It's disturbing and it's bothersome and, and it would bother anybody who had this vision or this dream. And the point is, is that God is in control. And uh, the, 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 like Daniel, you don't need to be afraid of these empires that are coming. Because Jesus will come and he will destroy not just the Antichrist, but these kingdoms. That's the whole context of Daniel chapter 7. The theme of the book of Daniel is that although the empire of Babylon is gone, the spirit of Babylon exists in every nation and every kingdom on planet earth. And, and it, is, it is forever, the spirit of Babylon is forever associated with sinful mankind's des- desire to dethrone God. You, hear, you see it in the schools, it's in our nation, it's in other nations. That's the spirit of Babylon. And the point of Daniel chapter 7 is Jesus is coming to put down the spirit of Babylon. And, and, and so Jesus said, I'm that guy. That's me. I'm that person. Daniel chapter 7 verses 13 through 14 is one of the most quoted sections of scripture in the New Testament. But just after Daniel has these dreams of these, of these empires, these kingdoms, these, these fearsome beasts, just after that, he, he sees this ancient of days, this being who is God. And, and I'll, I'll read it for you. It will be on the screen. As I looked, thrones were placed, and the ancient of days took his seat. His clothing was white as snow, and the hair of his head like pure wool, his throne was fiery flames. Its wheels were burning fire. A stream of fire issued from and came out from before him. A thousand thousand served him. Those are angels. And 10,000 times 10,000 stood before him. The court sat in judgment and the books were open. There's judgment coming. Meaning, Daniel, don't lose sleep over this. God is going to judge the nations. There's this guy by the name of David Aiken who commented on these verses. He said this. I just want you to hear what he said. It's, it's good. He said, this is... This is God the Father on his eternal and universal throne. As the ancient of days, he is eternal, not old. He is wise, not senile. He is a big God, bigger than even Daniel realized, and bigger than the petty beast kingdoms of this world. That's the point. Like, this year, we're dealing with COVID. You know what COVID reminded us of? Something that we that's not new. We're all going to die. Like the, the, the mortality rate in Cheyenne is 100%, right? Some of you will live longer than others, but we're all going to die. And, um, and COVID reminded us of just how frail we are and, and, and how, how the lack of control that we have over our, the circumstances of our life. Like you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. You don't know if you'll make it home today. Like there's no guarantee like my, uh, my mom had surgery on her back a couple weeks ago. As a result of the surgery, she uh, got a, a bacterial infection in the area where they did surgery. It was an excruciating pain for like over a week. And right now they're, doing, they're performing surgery on her back because that, that infection has gone into her bones and her spine. Like you don't know. And, and so... So God is reminding Daniel, you know what, you don't have, you're not in control, I'm in control, God says, and, and this is what's going to happen, judgment is coming, he's going to balance the scales of all that is wrong with the world, he'll make what's wrong with the world right one day, and for Jesus to identify himself as the son of man who's going to come and set up his kingdom forever and ever, that's pretty crazy. 
if the resurrection never happened. That is the craziest thing Jesus ever said if he never walked out of the tomb. If Jesus was just a moral teacher, if he was just some religious founder, a nice guy, that is the most insane thing he could have ever said when he stood before Caiaphas and said, I am the Son of Man, and I am coming to judge the nations one day. You know, the, the, the picture of God on the throne is reassuring to me. His clothing speaks to his holiness. His hair speaks to his eternal purity. His fiery throne speaks to his righteous judgment. The wheels that are described around his throne of fire speak uh, to the eternal scope of his judgment and his ability to see all things. And the thousand times 10,000 is a reference to his heavenly court. God is big. Like, like when COVID came, like God wasn't, God wasn't up in heaven thinking, oh, I wish I thought of that. Should have, should have made sure that pandemic didn't hit the world. Like he is sovereign and he's governing, governing the nations. He's in control. And he said, you know what? One day the scales of justice will be balanced. They'll be balanced. Everything is wrong with America and China and North Korea and the rest of the world. The, the, the scales will be balanced one day. But according to, the, according to this passage that Jesus said, it was speaking of him, of a future time that's coming, we are in the in-between time. We're in the, you know, we're in the stage between the empty tomb and the, and the coming of Jesus. The empty tomb says this. You, you listening? It says that Jesus is coming back again. He's coming back again to judge the living and the dead. And the in-between time is God's terms of peace for you and for me. Jesus said what those terms of peace uh, were and are, and the words will be on the screen. Let's read this together if you're able. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. The Bible says that Jesus is coming back. Like he rose from the grave. Like newsflash, the tomb is still empty. Every founder of every religion is dead, except for Jesus. Siddhartha Gautama, the one who founded Buddhism, who talked about nirvana, his definition of nirvana, this is true Buddhism, okay? This will depress you. I, I studied Buddhism for, for a little bit. Um, that nirvana is, this, the, is basically ceasing to exist. That's nirvana. That's their version of heaven, true Buddhism. And you know how Siddhartha Gautama died? He had bad rice porridge and died of food poisoning. Muhammad is still dead. Every Confucius is dead. They're all dead. Food for daffodils, or were, were. <laughs> long dead. Jesus is alive. He has risen from the grave. I mean, the, the, and, and Christianity, I said this last Sunday, and I'll, I'll say it again um, for those of you who weren't here. Christianity is the only religion in the world that says that you cannot do enough to earn your salvation. Every other religion says you have to do A, B, and C to get to heaven, or A, B, and C to earn forgiveness, or A, B, and C to achieve nirvana. Christianity is the only one that says you can't do it. That's why, G that's why God did it for you through his son, Jesus. 
and, he's, and he rose from the grave, validating everything that he claimed to be. The Bible says that he's coming back. He's coming back. And we read about this in, in, in Revelation chapter 1, verse 7. He says, When he comes, every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. All the tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. He's coming back. For Jesus to identify himself as the Son of Man, spoken of in Daniel chapter 7, is absolutely insane if the resurrection never happened. But he rose. He rose from the grave. After Jesus was placed in the tomb on Friday, that is the last day of the work week in the Jewish calendar, uh, he was in the tomb on Saturday. It's the day of rest. And on the third day, which is the first day of the work week on the Jewish calendar, was, was Sunday. And he rose from the grave. Mary and her two friends, Mary Magdalene, you're like, look her up in the New Testament. Mary Magdalene and her two friends uh, went to go to the tomb. And what they expected when they went to the tomb is they expected to find a dead carcass, a, a, a dead body where rigor mortis was already set in, and, and they came with spices. You want to know why they arrived with spices? Because when they opened the tomb, they knew that there would be, a really, uh, there would be an overwhelming stench of death in the tomb. Why? Because they believed with all of their heart that Jesus was dead. So as they approached the tomb, as they started to make their way to the tomb, they were actually asking each other, who's going to roll away the stone? Because it's too big for us. Who's going to roll it away for us? And as they got closer, they, realized, they saw that the, that the stone was moved. They thought, well, what can this mean? Literally, they were, filled, they were filled with terror. They thought, wow, somebody took the body. They were going to the tomb to anoint the body of somebody they really loved they respected and cared for. When they walked into the tomb, they found that the body was not there. Instead, there was a young man dressed in white who said to them these words, Do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him? But go, tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. He's risen from the grave. And the Bible says that they ran out of the tomb, just petrified. I'm like, who rises from the grave? Well, Jesus does. Jesus told them he was going to do it multiple times. And uh, they just didn't hear that every time he said it. They didn't hear that part of the story. Jesus rose from the grave. Like if you're, like I said earlier in the message, like if you're writing this story, if you're creating a story, if this is just something you're making up, Women aren't going to be your first witnesses. And Mary Magdalene, especially. Like, she would not be your first witness. And we learn from the Gospel of John, she was the first one to touch Jesus' resurrected body. Um, you just don't make that stuff up. And what is, and this leads me to the last question. This is brief. What is the craziest thing you can do? What's the craziest thing you can do? Here's the craziest thing you can do. The craziest thing you can do is in light of the fact that Jesus rose from the grave, the craziest thing you can do is just totally forget about everything that you heard this morning and leave indifferent about, about what Easter means, what Resurrection Sunday means. Jesus rose from the grave. It doesn't matter how you feel about it. It doesn't matter what you think. It doesn't matter if you think it's true or not. The fact of the matter is it's true. It happened. And Jesus is coming back. 
and he's going to judge the living and the dead. And God's terms of peace is now. And, the, and, he, and he says, come to me. Come to me. And the way you come to me, the way that you receive the forgiveness of your sins is by believing that Jesus was who he claimed to be, that he lived the life that you could never live, a perfect life. He lived on your account, and he went to a cross to experience the wrath of God that you deserved and that I deserved. And on that cross, he stood in your place and in my place and died. And on the third day, uh, after he was buried, he rose from the grave, validating everything that he claimed to be and validating what he accomplished on the cross. The craziest thing for you to do is to leave here not believing that. The Bible says that when you die, immediately you face judgment. The Bible says that all of us are born sinners and that, that, that we are born alienated from God and that we need to be reconciled to him. Every single one of you, including myself, is guilty of sinning against God. And the punishment that we deserve is hell. And Jesus did that in your place on the cross. He took that upon himself on the cross. Jesus' statements, what he said about himself, what he said to Caiaphas is only crazy if he didn't rise from the grave. Jesus' disciples witnesses, witnessed his resurrection along with scores of other people. The impact of Jesus' resurrection has been felt by countless millions. The power of his resurrection has been seen in the countless thousands and thousands of lives that have been changed. If somebody brought you here today, you know, to church, you probably notice that there's been a change in that person's life because of their faith and trust in Jesus. God did the same in me after I became a believer in Jesus. And the reason why it wasn't crazy for Christians in Iraq, in Syria, to not bow to ISIS, to not confess Allah as God and Muhammad as his prophet, is because Jesus rose from the grave. Muhammad, when he died, immediately he was ushered into heaven. He stood in judgment to be judged by the God of heaven and earth. And he is in hell. Siddhartha Gautama is in hell. Jesus rose from the grave so that you wouldn't have to go there either. He rose from the grave and he's coming back to make all that is wrong with the world right. I said this in the first service, and I'll say it again. COVID-19, I mean, it's just been a sucky year for a lot of people. And uh, disease is horrible. Death is horrible. What's going on in our nation, in our world, is horrible. But the suffering on our world, disease and death, all of that is the result of a world that's under a curse. And here's what the empty tomb promises us. Here's what the resurrection of Jesus promises us. All of that has a shelf life. There's coming a day where death will experience a death. Where the word goodbye will be deleted from the human vocabulary. Where there will be no more sickness. When Jesus comes, he's coming not only to judge the nations, but he's going to make all things new. The resurrection that he experienced, he's going to He's also going to um, make it the experience of all of earth. It's going to be awesome. Come back in the weeks to come as I preach through Daniel. We'll, we'll talk more about that. The craziest thing you can do today is to leave this building without repenting of your sins by placing your faith and trust 
in Jesus. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You don't have to have all your theological questions answered, but if you believe that, the Bible says you will be saved. I'm going to pray and then we're going to continue to sing a few more songs. Father, thank you so much for the gospel. Thank you for the empty tomb. Thank you for what it means to, to many of us in this room. And for those who don't know you who are here, God, I just ask that you just work through their, their doubts, their baggage, their pain, that you'd work through all of that. That they might see the reality that the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the greatest news in the universe. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Meadowbrook Church Podcast. For more information about our church, visit meadowbrook.org.